Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Nourish the Soul, Nicole. So I'm very glad to have my very, very good and blessed friend, Mariah, here, uh, back on the series, uh, What We Know About Love. So just last week, we were looking at the book, Conversations on Love by Natasha Lan, and oh my goodness, our lady over here in the house, she she spilled some truth, she dropped some bombs on our head. I hope you are still okay (laughs) and, you know, still alive and still ready to listen. More truth bombs are coming up in this episode, okay? So, you know, as we all know, before we start this kind of episode, we have to say, Holy Spirit, you know, activate, 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 right? So the Holy Spirit, yeah, Mariah is like, you know, she, she's we're jiving. dancing, she's we're dancing. jiving, she's dancing, jiving with the spirit. Uh, Holy Spirit is here. So what is the Holy Spirit? Yeah, moving and grooving. So what we <laughs> want to know, like Holy Spirit, like what book are we looking at today? So today's book Ooh. is called The Inner Voice of Love by Henry Nguyen. And I will let Mariah take us through what this beautiful, bountiful book is all about. And she will give us a rundown. <laughs> yes, she's going to give us a rundown right now. So over to you. Yeah. Thanks for the amazing instruction, as always, Nicole. You bring so much energy, and we've just spent a good half an hour just laughing. My cheeks are hurting. We've been <laughs> laughing so much. Um, but yes, I wanted to bring a new book, which is The Inner Voice of Love by Henry Nowen, exactly as Nicole said. And the full title, I mean, listen to this title. It says, The Inner Voice of Love, A Journey Through Anguish to Freedom. Like, whew, it's a big, it's a big, big title. Um but yeah, so for anyone who isn't familiar um, with Aaron's work, so he was a Dutch-born Catholic priest and had many years as a professor in Holland and the US. So quite a distinguished man. So he published many books as a spiritual writer, led retreats, um, had many spiritual conferences and spiritual direction, um, but also just a really colourful character as well. I don't know if you knew this about him, Nicole, but he lived a short st- stint as well as a Trappist monk and a short time as a parish priest in Peru. So I just found that amazing, yeah, about his life, that on the one hand, he's a deeply spiritual and academic mind, but also had this zeal for adventure and, oh, yeah. and a real love for people. So he's also known for his work as lead pastor in Lash Daybreak. So Lash is... Um, uh, place well actually there's about 150 plus I think I'm just thinking off the top of my head here Um, but places of community for people with disabilities Um, and so in terms of his personal spiritual journey journey he actually had a lot of times of difficulty which I just found quite refreshing to think that this is a person of real spiritual depth but also real love and had real inspiration from some unlikely places in contrast to that academia so he made amazing friends with someone named Adams who was a man with disability he lived at Lash and also drew a lot of inspiration from art as well so big big minds like Rembrandt and, and Van Gogh he was big big fans of so I just thought, I mean, what an amazing person. And I think there's a lot different parts of his kind of difficulties, his spirituality, but also love of art and also his his time with Lash as well. That kind of the parts of my life that I could relate to as well. As you know, I'm a big art fan and I also spent some time living in Lash too. So, yeah, I thought let's let's pick out this book um, and have a little look at it. Um, right. So... What did you make of the book when you had a little read of it? 
I think like personally, I think I was also similarly drawn to the idea of like anguish and freedom. Mm-hmm. It's like I feel sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, when you do read books um, on love, you know, generally it's just trying to present you with like, you know, like the best case scenario or worst case, yeah. of course, the worst case scenario, right? But there isn't mm-hmm. this like personal journey and, you know, this sort of like invitation to like, hey, you you can go from the anguish to the freedom, you know, and sometimes it, it's exactly. not linear, you know, you kind of you backtrack and, and mm-hmm. you go back. And, you know, I feel like the fact that um, Nguyen has this very personal style, the way that he writes, because it's like a series of like journal entries, right? You really get into the mind. You understand, you know, what he thinks, why he thinks. And it's almost like he's talking to you also. And I think I'm yeah. sure like when you're reading it, it's like short journal entries. So it's actually quite digestible, right? For some of us, yeah. it's like, you know, we're, we're trying so hard to like read like lots of texts and everything. And then yeah. just to read it, and his language is so simple. But it's also mm-hmm. so beautiful because of kind of the depth of meaning that he manages to convey, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. I think also yeah. It, it. I. I think for me, I like. Um. I really enjoy a lot of his his books. You were talking about Rembrandt, so I was reading another of his books also recently, Return of the Prodigal Son. Oh, oh so that good. Is beautiful, right? Yeah. Oh, so good. It's like another. That's another look at like you know what love is. Like love is to bring back and to receive so into a- your arms, right? the the mm-hmm. person that has you know kind of forsaken everything and forsaken you right and I'm like what you know like he wrote an entire book about one bending and I'm like of course he's gonna write like this this journal entries <laughs> about his 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 struggle and I think one thing that I really appreciate about Nguyen is his humanity you know like you can feel like hey this is a real person this exactly. isn't a person yeah. telling me what love is he's just like hey I'm struggling too and we're on mm-hmm. the journey so the word journey for me was something that really impacted me and I don't know like you know how, how do you feel also like, yeah, you know, about, oh, yeah what he's going talking about totally I completely agree with what you're saying I think what better way to really know someone more than looking at their like journal entries like this is a really intimate sharing of someone's journey like you're saying and that that spiritual and, and the fact that often spiritual life or you know to say to someone else oh yeah I I have a faith or whether or not you share that or not you know sometimes it can be perceived be perceived as like oh so you've got the golden ticket of like happiness at all times and it's like no no I don't (laughs) um that's not it at all like in fact like having a faith and I guess like with with life in general it's a journey it's there's spiritual difficulties there's ups and downs exactly like you're saying so what I love about this book is that it it really was it's a secret journal from a time where he actually hit rock bottom and writing was something that just kept him afloat and he actually says in the introduction um that the book isn't meant to be read all in one go he he has a quote at the beginning which I thought was quite funny he says um it's meant to be like salt for the meal of your life too much salt might spoil it but just a little bit can make it tasty which yeah was reassuring for me as someone who just I've never been the kind of person that can sit down and read a book cover to cover I have like what I call a book buffet where I like (laughs) I'll pick up different things at different points in time so yeah this was absolutely like a perfect yeah perfect book that you can kind of go in get some gems from and then kind of go back to Mm. yeah so I mean because there's so many different uh themes of it and and each entry is about like a page a page long two pages max I thought maybe we could discuss the book in three parts based on some of the key themes that that stood out for me so love is being described in this book 
um, as a journey, like we were saying. Um, and for me, from what I could see, there was definitely entries nearer the beginning talking about, okay, so what, what's our roots of love? We've got to know where we're coming from in order to know where we are and kind of know where we're going. Um, so that'd be the kind of first section. And then the second section or the second theme is about, okay, that pilgrimage, that, that journey. And then the final one is about having the courage to keep loving. Um, so yeah, I thought maybe, yeah, let's, if we start at the beginning, um, the idea is that we, we love because God first loved us. And so um, that's actually one of the journal entries that he, he entitled it that he said, we love because he first loved us. And on page 22, he has this amazing quote about opening yourself to the first love. So he says, God has given you a perfect self. There God dwells and loves you with the forest of love, which precedes all human love. You carry your own beautiful, deeply loved self in your heart. You can and must hold on to the truth of the love you are given and recognize at the same love in that, that that same love exists in others who see your goodness and love you. So stop trying to die to the particular real love that you have received. Be grateful for it and see it as what has enabled you to open yourself to God's first love. So amazing. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, yeah, what was your kind of like reflections on on that part of the book? And yeah, a bit about that kind of quote. I I just love like I think everything about um the quote, but particularly this part, you carry your own beautiful, deeply loved self in your heart. Because I mm. feel like that really spoke to me because I think we have a lot of different selves that we present to the world you know that kind mm-hmm. of we always think oh you know that the self is you know shaped by all these external factors and I can lose myself I can lose my identity but like this quote is telling me that I'm the one like we are the people who carry our own beautiful deeply loved self like you know that there has never been a time when the self was not loved it's just that we have mm-hmm. like, kind of like run into these distortions right so we think oh you know no one loves me you know all this kind of stuff right but actually, mm-hmm. he's talking about us holding on to that truth that we were given. So it was given, it can't be taken away from us. It yeah. was given to us, you know? Not, not, not like someone's going to like take it from under our pillow and then kind of like run away with it or something. Like some mm-hmm. fairy kind of story, you know? But this is like, it's given to us and he's asking us to like be grateful and to open ourselves. Because I feel like a lot of the time we close instead of open. Mm-hmm. Right, and we yeah. don't really fully experience, I think, the love that God has for us because I think a lot of the times we are scared. We're scared because of what it really entails and what it really <laughs> means. So, like, I think I can share something that I, I heard at a, a sermon for this Sunday's reading about, I think, Simon Peter, right? So, when he encounters the Lord in the boat, right, he actually says, like, you know, leave me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And mm. that, that, that encounter to me was so beautiful because like I think before that you know he had he didn't really know what love was until he saw it face to face like you know then you're speechless and you're like oh no I I don't feel worthy that the unworthiness just comes to the surface because it's so human right to feel unworthy and that's why he said that and I can imagine myself saying that right instead of being open and being like yes god yes god i receive you know the first love instead i'm just like ah i want to shy away from this you know yeah that's illuminating me and for me that that impacted me yeah i think a lot but i think the idea of your first love is kind of interesting also i think for a lot of us right 
because we tend to like romanticize it right we tend to put a lot of like you know um we privilege it you know we we kind of like make it to be more than it is and i'm sure like at some point in time right we have all <laughs> some sort of like first love or first crush so i don't know about you like mariah but like you know you like you remember that time <laughs> like what what do you what were like the emotions <laughs> that were coming to the surface okay at that time oh my gosh was, yeah of of like the emotions of when I had my first crush. Yeah, like, like what, first... what what kind of came to the surface? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's so funny because I think like at the time it feels so different to how it does now now when you look back on it in hindsight. Like I just I think it was more of like a feeling of infatuation, if I'm being completely honest. And, and like just to put put that out there completely embarrassing me. Like it was embarrassing. Like it, it just felt like, <laughs> oh my goodness, this person and like really all-encompassing um, and more on the side of chemistry rather than um, on the side of, you know, do I deeply know this person? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. I just, I just find yeah. it really funny, yeah, because you're, you're so right, you know, that, in, you know, in, in rom-coms, in popular culture and all that kind of good stuff about love, like uh, mm. the idea of our first love is very romanticised and, and here, like, you know, he, now one's given an alternative view of you know open yourself to the first love and I know that we spoke about that on our last episode but it's really cool that he's kind of given that he's saying you know we can love because we've been given this example of love first um which is very different to all the feelings that I had <laughs> with my first brush what about you do you remember oh, that I I totally relate to that time I think mm-hmm. you know when you were talking about infatuation it, it just reminds me of like the emotions you know the physical mm-hmm. sensation you're like oh I'm so excited you know like this is so exciting and stuff but it's very fleeting you know like you know so a lot fleeting. of these times like you know you don't think about your first crush after like a long time right you know it's like it's just something that kind of comes up in your memory from time to time but it doesn't have that lasting you know no. sort of like quality compared to like the first love right and then when when you're talking about the word first love I was thinking about oh it's, it's like a primary thing is that there's a primacy to it like it's mm. the thing that precedes everything else and as you were saying yeah. also in this chapter he says we, he, we love because he first loved us so mm-hmm. like returning to the first love I think it's like a thing or something people kind of like say it nowadays and I'm like I'm returning yeah. to the what to the who and they're like you're returning <laughs> to the, you know, I'm like returning to the who, what, what, who's the first love like is the are we all the same first love and then my friend was like yes we do and I was like yeah. oh that first love yeah <laughs> you know, and oh, like, that one yeah that one you know the one with the capital you know capital F the capital L and I was like okay okay got it got it and like I think just just using the word it really reminded me of like you know where it all begins mm-hmm. instead of where I think it's going to end um, because this is That's something it. that doesn't end you know I mean the first love and our supposed first crush it ends right after a while we, we move mm-hmm. on we see something else or someone mm-hmm. else and we think that it's more attractive and it's going to fulfill our needs and then we always feel ourselves wanting like, you know, there's this restlessness, like, you know, oh, this is never going to satisfy me. That's never going to satisfy me. I still have this strange hole, you know, that I'm trying to fill. Yeah. And what are we doing? Hello. <laughs> we just need I to know. Open, like, to God's first love. Yeah. So, like, I, I think... so true. Yeah, I think that that's that's something I think that impacted me, yeah, quite a lot. Yeah. And I think other another thing that I was thinking about from this quote is, you know, he's, he's saying you know, we, we are able to love because we carry our own beautiful, deeply loved self 
in our own hearts. And I think, you know, the idea of like self-love and self-care is very popular. It's very, it's always trending. And I think there's a, there's been a real movement and shift towards that. I think obviously in like the past two years, where I think self-care has obviously been very important with everything else going on in the world, but also self-love and that being a really big, a big trend. And I think that's an important one to have, but I think there's also perhaps a risk of when it's taken a bit too far and that it turns our attention and our focus more inwards rather than out. So, you know, we could be so focused on this self-love, self-love, self-love journey to the point that we're not like loving out outwards. We're not loving others because actually the whole, whole idea of being able to look inwards and, and know that we're loved is that we have security and risk all at the same time, you know, in the idea that we have a love from God that endures, but it's also a love that calls us to be, you know, risk takers. It calls us to go and partake in being in the building of the, you know, building of his kingdom. So exactly what you're saying about the homily from, from today and what you're listening to. It, it's that, isn't it? So, you know, Simon Peter being like, oh my gosh, like here is love and I know what it's like, but also he's telling him, you know, you're going to go and be fisherman, be a fisher of men as well. So it's like, Oh, there's this big sense of security, but a big sense of risk all at the same time. And and love is that. Um, and yeah, it that just reminded me of uh this section from uh from Narnia that I really like. I um it. yeah, I don't know if you know the quote that I'm already sort of thinking of, but there's this lovely conversation. Um, and it goes like this actually, I've got the quote here where it says, safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? He said anything about safe. Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I'm like, yeah, he's he's obviously describing Aslan there, but Aslan being a representation of who God is. And yeah, like God isn't safe. Like being in love and being part of God's love isn't always safe and, and good and rose, rose tinted glasses, but he's good. And and this life and this journey with God is a good one. Love that. I love that. I love that quote, by the way, um, by C.S. Lewis. You know, it, mm. it is actually, I mean, you, people call this a children's book, and I'm like, no, it's not. Like, it's deep. It's deep <laughs> stuff. Like, you know, I mean, uh-huh. the characters, you know, they represent something deeper. And I, I really love the tension because I feel sometimes we prefer something that's easy to just digest right you know like oh self-love is just about you know me doing something for myself you know making you know mm-hmm. putting myself first and then as you were saying it turns ourselves inward right like we we start to just focus my own individual needs instead of like looking at it as like this is an outward thing it's a radiation of of my love to other people like you know love isn't meant to be you know hidden in a jar or something that you're supposed That's to it. share it with other people you're supposed to be in communion with other people of course there's going to be pain suffering and a lot of drama but that's part of the mm. human experience and that's part of loving. So I think that really like calls to mind the tension I think that you were talking about, the, the, the tension between security and risk. Because you're like, you know, mm-hmm. really God's love is risky. He's a reckless God. Like he doesn't really know what we're, what we're up to, you know, whether we're really going to love him back or whatever. But he said, I still love you. I love yeah. you. He doesn't say I love you, but you know, you have to do something. Yeah. He just says I love you. And it's it's so strange for us to like fathom like what's happening here. We're like, oh, but you know, I've always <laughs> exactly. learned this, you know, right? And then that's he says, it. I love you. And, it, and that's actually really reckless on his part. It's so reckless that come on. 
like you know basically we put him on the cross you know we put his son on the cross like that's how reckless yeah. he was willing to be and even in their recklessness there's just still this safety and security that no matter how far we run away return of the prodigal son can come back you know that we still yeah. have that security that no matter how far I feel I'm off track or I feel like I failed mm-hmm. my father or I feel like I've done something you know I can still come back there's a road for me to come back right and in the way that I also love I can also love from a place of security knowing that I am secure in the father's love for me and therefore That's I can sad. go out there and be the reckless gal that we all can be we can love recklessly because <laughs> I feel like you know loving, loving yes. if we don't love recklessly it's like basically we're loving in this very strange artificial way like you know okay I'm gonna love yeah. within the boundaries of this box but, mm-hmm. but but real love isn't like that. Real love like breaks open that box and says like That's I it. think you were saying right in the first quote that you were mentioning from the book, page twenty two, is like it enables us to like wow go beyond right go That's beyond it. now and yeah. to go yeah. further out. And I think that leads us into this question, which is like you know for for you, Mariah, like what do you feel you have been more able to do? Because you knew that maybe you were loved and supported, you know, by people in your life, or you were loved and supported also, uh, you yeah. know, by the Lord Himself. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good question because for me, I feel like all of my moments of risk taking have felt, of course, scary because risks are scary. But I felt able to do them because I knew that I I'm surrounded by a family that really loves me. Um. So yeah, so many. I think big things like changing careers I've done a few career changes I've lived different places and 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 also I think in terms of like relationships as well it's always a risk to kind of go into something but I I feel and I think and this is the wonderful thing about love is that you know if you know that you're you come from a place where you loved or you've got that secure base then yeah I think you can you can change minds and change hearts more through the grace of loving other people more so than any other type of like convicting of the mind. So one of my favorite quotes actually, so St. Bernadette is my uh, confirmation saint because I'm a big fan of Lewis and kind of like grew up going going there all the time. Um, But she has this quote where she's, where where people always asking her like, 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 what's your deal? Like you're eating mud and (laughs) like, girl, what's your deal? What's your domain? (laughs) yeah what's going on and she just said like my job is to inform not to convince and it Mm. was and everything else she said was just in such a loving way like I'm not I'm not here to try and convince you with a big roadmap from A to B with like a fantastic TED talk like I'm just (laughs) going to inform you about the love that I've been I've been shown that That our lady has come and she's said that we are immensely loved and this is her Mm. son and I think that's it. Like, that's the idea of, of risk. And I think, you know, we're able to do so much when we know we're loved. Um, what about you? Are there things that you feel that you've been more able to do because you knew that you were loved or supported? Yeah, de- definitely, Neymar. I think just even being doing this podcast, I think, like, you know, without love and support, I think you're really definitely not able to reach places that you think, you know, you couldn't have even yeah. gone. I don't think I would be able to even sustain I think you know my momentum and my my motivation mm-hmm. and drive to keep recording if I didn't know where I can return to, right? Like where's yeah. my secure base, you know? Um, and I think also that you know the 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 idea of this like refuge, like we need that refuge 
because I think, you know, the world is going to toss us in all different, like, directions, like, send on the net, people that are asking her, like, what's up with you, bro? And I think, <laughs> yeah. I think at a certain point in our life, like, a lot of people probably have asked us in some way, like, what's up with you, bro? You know, mm-hmm. like, that same question, like, what's up with you? Why are you still doing this? Or, like, why are you doing that? And then sometimes, like, yeah. your reason is just, like, because I just, I just want to do what I'm doing where I am now. Like, you know, you're saying you're not trying to yeah. convince. You're just trying to inform. You're trying to share. You're trying to share the love, right, that has been given to you, right, and which you draw strength from with other people. You just want to share. You're not trying to like, yeah, you're not, you're not going to give the TED talk, right? You know, not all of us are going to give TED talks, but yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just that knowledge that, hey, I'm loved. I want to tell people that you are loved as well and maybe maybe it's best expressed in this in this uh, particular page from the book which I'm going yes. to read now yeah from yeah, page gee. 63 right to know yourself as truly loved uh, and in the book it says the disciples of Jesus had a real sense of his loving presence as they went out to preach they had seen him eaten with him and spoken with him after his resurrection yet come to live in a deep connectedness with him and drew from that connectedness the strength to speak out with simplicity and directedness, unafraid of being misunderstood or rejected. The more you come to know yourself, spirit, mind, and body as truly loved, the freer you will be to proclaim the good news. That is the freedom of the children of God. Oh my goodness, man. Oh, like Mariah, thoughts, thoughts, thoughts on that. Oh my gosh, so many thoughts. I love that so much. Um, I, I... Okay, so this is is still on the same train of thought, but go with me for a minute. I don't know if you've seen, have you seen The Chosen? Yes. The series The Chosen? Oh my gosh, so I'm such a big fan. And this was reminding me, I mean, about, you know, how Jesus called the disciples. Mm -hmm. For some reason, when I first watched The Chosen, I didn't really get into it that much. And then I just binged it all in one go. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Why was I not into this the first time around? It's so good. But what I loved, what I loved about it is, is like Jesus kept choosing people who hadn't been chosen, hadn't Mm. been chosen in their lives and just felt so rejected. But in, in in, in how he chose them, he chose them for like the complete fullness of their personality and who they were in their skills. So like he spoke to them in such a great way. So, you know, from, you know, Matthew tax collector mind and, you know, I, he's like, I really appreciate your diligence. I really love this side <laughs> of you. And like you being a, a fisherman, I really love you doing that. Like God has such a great love for all of us. And, and of course, like we are his disciples too. And I'm sure he looks at you, Nicole, in exactly the same way. Like, I love your podcast, Nicole. Like I love oh. you, the fact that you have this, this like talent for this, this way of doing life. And I think that's it. Like in that quote, exactly that the disciples of Jesus had a real sense of this loving presence when they went out to preach. Um, so they knew where they had come from. They knew that you know, with that love and that grounding and that assuredness of who God was and the fact that God has called and chosen them, that 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 is the path to freedom, that that gives you the freedom to be children of God and to keep loving others in the exact same way. And, you know, we live in a like in a world and where, you know, not everyone will think the same way. And I often think that like, you know, well, but but the call is still the same. The, the call is absolutely the same. Like it's not about whether or not you have the same belief systems or not. It's about yeah just just loving other people 
I love that. I love that you brought up like my favorite series, The Chosen. <laughs> Seriously, like like who isn't the chosen man? Like you know, like I I I totally like understand like what you're saying about not watching it and I'm then binge watching it and after that enjoying it thoroughly uh, and then like being really shook by a lot of the scenes inside man. the show. Um, and actually that reminds me of the calling of. Yeah, it's like really the call, you know, the way he calls, you were saying, right? The different disciples, especially the calling of St. Matthew. Yeah. So this is like, you know, like he knew what who Matthew was. He didn't want Matthew to change or be like, you know, stop being diligent, stop doing this thing. He was like, yeah. I love you in your brokenness. I know that I can turn you, right? I can shape you and I can mold you into my disciple. Like, you know, no one is too far gone. No, there's no such thing as, you know, um, like you know that there's no path back for for you, and the fact that he understood them so deeply on that level, and he understood sense each and every one of us on such mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. deep level. You know, we are fully known, seen, and loved. All the things that we want, and all the things that people keep talking about. Like, oh, I want to be known by every. I want to be known by a person. I want to be seen mm-hmm. by a person. I want to be loved. He does all the three things seriously. It's like, so true. Fully so true. knows you in the womb. He knew you before. He and before anything that happened he knew you he knows our thoughts you know if you feel like at one point in time in the day you're like oh you know like nobody understands me nobody still sees me girl just stop for a while jesus knows you jesus loves you jesus sees you if you need to say it for a few 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 times and repeat yourself just say it because i feel like you know we need to we need to say it we need to claim it you know sometimes to really um, understand it and like, really to live it out in our lives but mm-hmm. I really really also like this particular word I think that you also touched on in the in the quote which is the freedom free mm-hmm. who you are right if you're not free to be who you are basically you're trying to like live up to certain expectations especially society's ones but society's yeah. ones are not necessarily the best ones or the ones that are appropriate for us mm-hmm. but we feel constrained right that's why we always feel like oh no I'm chained to my desk I'm chained to my work I'm chained to my oh, that's it. ideas yeah. and then yeah. really he's proposing something very radical you know he's saying you are free to be children of God he doesn't ask mm-hmm. you to like free to do whatever. He said like, you are just free in your identity. He's not saying you're free to That's like it. you know whatever run. No, he's not saying freedom mm-hmm. of the children of God. And that freedom for mm-hmm. me, I think, really impacted me. Yeah, and that really made me think about, hey, you know, do I feel free to love? Do I feel free as a child of God? Do I even identify myself, you know, on day to day basis as as a child of God? And like that makes me also want to ask you the question, right? So like now we know we are loved. What is the next step for us? What is the next step yeah. for us in this journey? Yeah, and, and as new one is taking us through this. Exactly. So yeah, that that's it, isn't it? So now we know we're loved. What next? Where do we go? So the other part, the the kind of next theme that was coming out for me is that is that pilgrim journey really? So once we know and we're rooted and established in that how do we continue to go on so he has this uh, journal entry called trust the inner voice um and he says conversion is certainly not something that you can bring about yourself it is not the question of willpower you have to trust the inner voice that always shows you the way and you know that inner voice you turn to it often But after you've heard with clarity what you are asked to do, you start raising questions, fabricating objections and seeing everyone else's opinion. But only by attending constantly to the inner voice can you be converted to a new life of freedom and joy. 
And that for me was just such a frank journal entry because like that is exactly it, you know. Again, thinking about the disciples, like and, and just us in our human nature, we can be really good at creating a case to not do something if we don't want to do it, you know, like anyone who is a procrastinator, you can, you know, hate housework and suddenly you want to put on some rubber gloves and just blitz clean the entire house. And often part of like the pilgrim journey or being, you know, being on a journey of love, it's not that, okay, so you fall in love and that's it. It's like, no, you keep choosing every single day to be in love. Um, and that point about like conversion is not something you can bring about yourself is such, it was such an interesting one to me because, you know, from again, different conversations with different people within their own parts of their spiritual journey, there will be some people who have no faith at all. Some people who have been born with a faith, some people who have converted, but one thing that I've definitely learned and reflected on in terms of my own faith journey is that, yes, I was born into a church, but like conversion is something that happens to me every single day like I I have to choose every day um that actually this isn't a faith that's been handed down to me but it's a faith of like personal intimate relationship with a god that I love and that I know loves me too so I just thought that was interesting in, in terms of like again that kind of rocky road that comes on the in-betweens like great you've got that high top moment of like yes we're all you know, Sermon on the Mount, this is so good. And we love God and everything's great. And then what? It's like, okay, honeymoon phase over. <laughs> now let's let's be on this journey. And yeah, the, and the fact that it isn't going to be easy. And, and I love that now and kind of put this in, you know, you've heard with clarity what you're asked to do, but you start raising raising questions and that 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 doubt can set in. Um so yeah, I just wondered, is there parts of that as well that maybe you relate to? Because there's definitely parts of that that I relate to myself oh man oh man like so much I think they probably the entire goal everything that you said just there especially the raising the doubts part wow yeah totally feel that totally feel that you know there are that there are going to be the sermon on the mound days when you're just like I'm so high holy spirit is <laughs> activating and <when> like, <laughs> I can't feel anything you know everything feels like a wasteland this is T.S. Eliot no no we're having the wasteland and mm. it's true like we have doubts and we have questions and so I, I used to think that you no know, having doubts and questions is a bad thing and then I think mm. now I'm more, after I've kind of thought about it, reflected on it a bit more, I'm like, the doubts and questions are the ongoing conversion. Because if yeah. I were just to accept the handed down faith, I'll just be like, yeah, okay, I, I accept things as they are, but I don't go deep into why. Yeah. I don't go and engage with the messiness of this relationship uh, with the Lord. Lah. So it's not like, you know, every minute mm. of every day, I'm completely convinced or convicted. Right? I'm yeah. not like having this happy, like, you know, smiling, you know, 100% and megawatts. Mm-hmm. But there are days when you're just like, wow, I have so many doubts and so many. And it's the only thing that kind of like, you know, occupies your mental space, right? You're just filled with yeah. doubts and questions. Yeah, and yeah exactly. You, yeah, as you were saying, conversion is an on going process and it's an active process la. so it's not like oh, I'm going to stand here and then I'm going to be converted one day my heart's going to be converted and I'm, I'm going to see the light and I'm you know I'm going to get enlightened no like it's a it's a two-way thing like I want to be converted I want my heart to be converted and I want the Lord to play the central role in that like exactly. I don't want to force it like you know he's not forcing us to come he's to not. him he's not forcing yeah. us at all and that's the beautiful thing yeah 
Yeah, and God can work with that. In fact, like God really appreciates that authenticity of like not having it all figured out all the time because we're not supposed to. Like there's a lovely part as well in the book uh, that now is entitled Live Patiently with the Not Yet. And in it, he says, you complain that it's hard for you to pray, to experience the love of Jesus, but Jesus dwells in your fearful, never fully received self. When you befriend your true self and discover that it is good and beautiful, you will see Jesus there. Where you are most human, most yourself, weakest, there Jesus lives. Bringing your fearful self home is bringing Jesus home. And that was just Whoa. like, yeah, Whew. so Whew. reassuring. It's so true. Like he, he dwells in those, in the broken places and, and that's enough. Like actually that that's good enough. Like jesus yeah. is there yeah he's I, I think the fact that he's not expecting us to live mm-hmm. up to this ideal even the way that he called all the disciples he didn't say like oh all of you are my disciples and you all need to be type a disciple or type b or type c he just says be my disciples and have that that burning fire of love for me you know and my church and my people mm. that's all he says you know he didn't say like oh you have to be a certain type of person and I also like what you were bringing out, I think, from page 41, live patiently in the not yet. Ooh, that ain't yeah. easy. That ain't easy. Isn't it? <laughs> That's not easy. Like we were talking about in the, uh-uh. in the first episode, right? Remember? The unbearable yes. unknown. Like you're like, oh, I don't know. It's unbearable, number one. And it's an unknown, like it's a double whammy. And yeah. I feel sometimes we're like, you know, we're, we're not patient. We're like, hey, come on, like, Lord, we've got we to hurry things along, you know? Like, you know, human time, human time. And then he's like my child you did not understand my time like my time is in his time with capital m and then our time yeah. is like a small m right lowercase so he's like you do not understand my time and i think it takes a lot of trust as you were saying to trust that inner voice that hey the inner voice is a very small soft voice but it's the voice mm-hmm. that leads us to ourselves leads us to our truest self right you know not like the self that we present to everyone but like hey there are times when I, you know, we're, we're all struggling. I'm struggling with things as well. But when we return to that self, that's where we also encounter him. And that's true. Yeah. That I think it's that in those moments, it's those quiet moments when we can kind of shed all of this noise that's around us, that we start to really glimpse, you know, what it, what it really is uh, Yeah, for me. Totally. So, uh, really I love cool. that. I love that. And I think that's really like, like at the heart of discernment, isn't it? And it's like, it doesn't even have to have a big word discernment on it, but it's just, it's like really listening, like really quieting down and tuning into, yeah, what what's going on? What's moving in my heart? Like, what is love saying right now? Where am I feeling pulled and where am I feeling like excited about life? And where do I feel the sense of like, oh, this doesn't quite fit. This doesn't quite feel right for me. Um, which is all part of that journey that's all in the in-between section isn't it so kind of you know we've done the bit about okay so where is love from and then now we're on that pilgrim journey and this is kind of what it's like and another part I just wanted to kind of quickly add in before we go on to that final section was about um, a section where he spoke about protecting your innocence and I was like oh oh this is interesting it's really okay this is some clickbait now one's putting clickbait <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because I was like okay let's have a look at this because on the topic of love and you know like the word innocence is quite a loaded term as well like 
he was essentially talking about like you know the fact that okay so we're on this journey but it's not always going to be easy we know that some of it comes from self-doubt but also some of it comes from the fact that we're kind of being pulled different directions throughout our sort of spiritual journey um and he says as a child of god you need to be prudent you cannot simply walk around in this world as if nothing and no one can harm you you remain extremely vulnerable but the children of god need to support protect and hold each other's close hold each other close to God's heart you belong to a minority in a large hostile world but essentially um forced spiritual force um substitutes of what that real love is is going to kind of put us away from God that's essentially what he's saying kind of like summarized really quickly but it just really made me think about like the term of innocence and kind of other examples where we've perhaps seen that in the lives of the saints now thinking about of Saint Therese of Lisieux I know we've sort of spoken about her before but I remember when I was uh, living in Newman House, same time as you were. Yeah, um, yeah. And there was this really cool psychology group. Um, the psychologist like led this group and it was about yeah different topics on psychology and she would like link it to faith. And she spoke about St. Teresa this year and it was the first time I think I properly thought about her as a saint. And I remember thinking like, she comes across as like really childlike. It's like, it's, just, it's a bit weird. Like what's going on here? And she she really has this kind of like relationship with God, which is like really like babyish and she's really innocent. And like, I don't know if I can relate to that. I, I don't know. But actually that's a really lovely thing. Like a part of our journey again with God and, and knowing what love is, is to have that love of a child with God. And I think it just, o- over time, I think my perception of her as a saint and the idea of like innocence and that being within love, being like a, a really precious thing um, that yes, we can continue to grow and mature spiritually and all these kinds of things. But also the fact that Jesus says, you know, to be like little children in like our sense of awe and wonder and yeah, love of love. And what did you think of that? And I don't know if you ever went to that group as well, if you remember what I don't know, man. I'm not I'm trying so hard to remember what I was cool. Yeah, I was doing at the time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Maybe maybe I was not in this cool room, but uh, (laughs) at that time. Okay, maybe I think at that time I wasn't really like I think I wasn't really sold on centerist at that point in time, also. Yeah, because Mm. I always thought, you know, like you know, the saints, you know, they're they're this certain there's a certain type of saint out there. And I was trying to really get at at the at the message that she was presenting, which is like of that innocence, of that childlikeness, of that, you know, reaching out to God with open Mm -hmm. arms, you know, to help her, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of reach the spiritual heights, right? And only I think in recent years when I started to appreciate, I think, uh some books I think I was reading by Father Jacques Philip, I think. Um, yeah. some reflections about Sam Therese and then only then did it click for me I think later in life I think even for, for all of us sometimes we have a different season you know like sometimes in that season we're not feeling it or we you know we can't really identify that scene but then maybe a few years down the road and then things start to change and then you're like oh yeah, like, yeah. I get I get why you know everyone yeah. was talking about it I understand now right before that you were just like I'm, I'm not sure like, but then now you're like yeah I see yeah, it. I exactly. see it. Like, yeah, the that innocence also, like, it's so precious, you know, because I think it's so easy to be just like cynical and be like judgmental and be like, I'm, everything's black and white, you know, everything, the, the world's against me or something. But exactly, no, it's, it's just like no, like get to the heart of it. Like, you wanna you wanna enter the kingdom of God, you gotta be a child, right? Yeah, the child yeah, can yeah. enter the kingdom of God like easier than everybody else, right over here. And it's because yeah. the child just wants to sit at the feet of the father and be like, yeah, I just want to listen to what the father has to tell me. And 
I think also something that I I found very beautiful also from Centerest and kind of linking I think to the last part of the book right because we already said um you know we need to know what love is we need to go on the pilgrimage and the ongoing journey and then now we're like the most difficult part which is the courage to keep loving and mm-hmm. I think my goodness like that is like the biggest challenge ever and I think that's partly because I think we live in a very broken world right we have probably mm-hmm. also encountered a lot of like hurt and woundedness and, and this this has like sort of like we feel like it's depleted our capacity to love like as if you know it's like some kind of petrol tank and you know and we're, we're low on love today it's not even like some kind of pop song like, I'm all out of love I'm so lost without you no like that's not even that like like no like that's not even that like you know the fact that you can sing things like this is sometimes we're like what do you mean by all that you have love like wait a while so but Mm. yeah you know like we feel like oh we can lose it and we can't get it back and it's so hard I think for us to keep on choosing because I think choosing requires a sense of like vulnerability because remember in the in the in the second part we're talking about the risk the rest the of love that's why we're so scared to keep choosing it because you know we've been we've been hurt in relationships mm. with people in our lives and we feel mm-hmm. like oh because of that I want to retreat inwards I want to clam up like a shell and yeah. I, I don't want to try again because you know I'm gonna I'm gonna get hurt again and then here we go I'm gonna just lay down an Instagram quote I think that I shared with Mariah just now love is not about if you get hurt it's about when when I read that, I was like, is this just one of those like clickbait <laughs> things or something? Yeah. And it just asked me to like, yeah. like the post or something and share it. But when I actually sat down and thought about it again, I was like, hey, this is this is real. This is real stuff. Because it's not about if, it's about when. Because mm-hmm. to really, truly really, like love and to will the good of the other is to also open oneself to hurt. And that's right. That's why it takes so much courage, right? Mm-hmm. To keep loving mm-hmm. and to keep choosing it consciously. It's not like, you know. Um, something that just naturally happens it's, it's an act of will we can choose not to we can choose to be like no I don't want to love but the Lord gives us that autonomy and that freedom that he loves us so much he's like you remember we were saying the freedom of the children of God it's not like the non-autonomy mm. of the children of God or the, the shackles of the children of God he's like you are free to love and you're free to love in the way that mm. I created you for love yeah so yeah. for me that really uh, so I don't know how you feel about it or so yeah. No, I love that. And I think that's that's totally spot on because you're quite right. It's like, okay, so there's there's a risk taking and it's it's not an if, it's a when that's going to happen. And that's that's exactly kind of why I thought it was interesting that now I'm putting that bit about innocence. Because if you think about it, if there's lots of whens that happen, so yeah, okay, so I've got her, I've got her, I've got her, it can kind of wear you down and make you lose that original kind of like, oh, that freshness, that that innocence. But we need to kind of preserve that. And I think that's why, you know, kind of his final quote and his kind of conclusion about how do we keep going forward is about keeping, how to keep choosing God. And so he says, remember that you are held safe. You are loved. You are protected. You are, you are in communion with God and with those whom God has sent you. What it is of God will last. It belongs to eternal life choose it and it will always be yours.